A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. This is Money FM 89.3 with me, Jason Dacey, in the company of Neil Humphreys. As uh, we talk about the iconic Sydney Opera House, the 45th birthday of the Sydney Opera House. And I'm hoping that we can be joined on the line now by Helen Pitt, the author of the book, The House. Helen, are you there in Sydney, Australia? I'm here, Jason. Yes. And it's pretty much exactly as it was 45 years ago, just not quite as many people. That is an incredible uh, comparison between 45 years and now. And, you know, Helen and I both grew up in Sydney, Neil, and mm. we always knew the Sydney Opera House. Even before 1973, before it was actually opened, it was always being built in right. our childhoods. And That's it was right. it was something there, uh, Helen. But just, just tell me about your book, first of all, because uh, like me, you uh, cut your teeth at Fairfax Media, the Sydney Morning Herald. That's mm-hmm. where you started mm-hmm. your journalistic career. So I have a bit of a soft spot for anyone that started there. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell me about your book. And it's very timely, isn't it, with all the controversies going on around the uh, Sydney Opera House and well, its birthday. Yes. Who would have known, you know, that it would be so emblazoned in the headlines 45 years after its opening? In fact, I heard you speak before about, you know, the shop jock Alan Jones. I'm actually standing right at the right at the foot of his apartment block, which has got to have one of the most beautiful views of Sydney. And and I've just been round to the Opera House, and it's, and it's an extraordinary mass of people at the moment. It's going to be the opening site of the Invictus Games tonight, so it's emblazoned in yellow, white, and black and grey colours, which are the Invictus Games slogan colours. It's going to be opened by Prince Harry, who obviously is the, the man who, who dreamt up the idea of a, a, of a game for, for veterans and his wife, Megan. And there's some lovely, a lovely symmetry to that because it was his grandmother, Queen Elizabeth II, who opened the building 45 years ago. And, and I, I know a bit like you, Jason, I was, I was a kid and this building has always been the backdrop of my childhood, the building of it. And then as a backdrop also for my journalism career, all the years I've worked at the Sydney Morning Herald. So I've covered countless stories here. So I always knew that the background to the the drama of the building of it was a great story. And I just decided to sit down and write a book about it 10 years ago when the original architect Bjorn Utzon died, the Dane who, who dreamt the whole thing up. Well, yeah, it's a fascinating story. And you mentioned they're very, very uh, timely. The thing I want to say about the controversy is that it's important to stress that the Sydney Opera House has never been opposed to having images projected onto its building. In fact, some of its most striking images, it's had the Australian flag, it's had all kinds of things, the indigenous flag and so on. It's just because of it was about gambling. Am I right in saying that? Well, I think it's lots of things, actually. Now, it's a combination of lots of things. Yes, it has been used to project um, images for Vivid. It's been used to project the Winning Ashes series. It's mm. been used to project the Wallabies. But presu- presumably the thing that people didn't object to about that was because they were brands that were known and loved, and that was a celebration. I think the major part of the reaction to the, 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 the sales being lit with the Everest horse race slogan was because no one knew anything about it. It's only the second time that the horse race had been run in Australia. And, yes, it's the biggest turf race in in the world, supposedly. And, and, and that's what they were trying to garner a bit of publicity for, which they rightly or wrongly have done. And I think what we didn't know... And you saw in that in the last few weeks is just how much people love this building and find it almost like a sacred cathedral for Sydney siders. So people kind of really objected to the fact that it was 
it was a gambling slogan, but also it was for a brand that no one knew anything about. So that was really largely a part of the problem, I'd, I'd say. And the fact that New, um, Racing New South Wales had really pushed the government to make this happen rather than the CEO of the Opera House, who was you know, technically against it. So the fact that the Premier overruled her, her, her wishes and the actual protocol of the Opera House made for an extraordinary occasion. And in fact, I've been covering the Royal Tour um, in the last week and we've seen crowds at the Opera House, but they were nothing in numbers to the protest of last Tuesday. Mm. There were thousands of people here lining the, the boardwalk up to the Opera House in protest against the sales being illuminated. Quite a few hundred for Harry and, and Meghan, but not quite the numbers. You know, completely, you know, different, different stratosphere in terms of popular interest. You were speaking to Helen Pitt. She's the author of The House on the Sydney Opera House and, like me, uh, grew up in Sydney, looking at the incredible building on on Sydney Harbour. Helen, when we look at um, the pervasive elements of gambling in Australia and many problems that it's creating, do you think that's behind the furor, uh, the problems that they have? I think think that's absolutely right, Jason. I mean, we we are renowned as one of the world's large... Well, we are. We have the largest number per capita of gamblers um, in the world. So there is an obvious gambling issue. So that's got a bit to do with why people were upset about it. There's a huge push here um, on the poker machines to sort of outlaw them in lots of, lots of places because there's, there's, there's per capita spending that's, that's skyrocketing in terms of problem gambling. So that has really been an issue that touched a, a nerve. Ironically, because as we mentioned, as I heard you mention, that the building was built with gambling money. It was built on the back of the Sydney Opera House lottery. And that was an idea of the Labor government back in 1957 when the whole building began. So Australians kind of seem to have a bit of proprietorial interest in it because they didn't pay for this building out of their taxes. They paid for it out of um, lottery tickets. So there's another reason why we love it. So, And in its current literature now, we say it belongs to all Australians. So people have... There are a lot of stakeholders in that when they say it belongs to all Australians because... A lot of people mean that think think that doesn't mean racing New South Wales. It belongs to them, and they should have a say in what gets put up in the sales. So it is it's it's one of those great stories that the building that's known all around the world. It's one of those great stories that really still divides the city and the nation because you're either in one camp, you're either in the Austin camp, or you're in the Hall camp, which is the the architect, Australian architect who completed the building after Jornutsen depart, de, dramatically departed in 1966. There's you know people that believe that it, it, you're either in one camp or the other. It's kind of like a, a really big annual grudge match. It's kind of, it, it's almost like a football game. People are still polarised in their thoughts on this building, and despite the fact that you know it's a brand that is better known than Australia internationally, it brings. Um, millions of people here throughout the world, throughout the year, and and it's got a total social asset value judged by Deloitte at around four point six billion dollars. So it's a really, really big asset, and a lot of people felt that defacing it with any form of advertising was a bit was akin to you know graffitiing Uluru as mm. rock that's rock in the, the centre of Australia. So there was such enormous outpour of emotion for the building. And interestingly, there's a, there's a by-election going on here today in the seat of um, the former Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull. And apparently, 
that issue in, in a very well-heeled electorate was more important than the placing of the site of the Israeli embassy in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. So it's really touched nerves across the nation still, you know, two weeks after the whole thing happened. Well, I can imagine, Helen, I find it fascinating you talk about the polarising of opinion. Does it also get slightly to our societal hypocrisy when it comes to gambling? Because Singapore and Australia are uneasy bedfellows on this one because our major iconic buildings, I'm thinking of the Esplanade, the theatres at the Bay, were also predominantly paid for by money from the Singapore pools. Mm. I mean, that's well known, which Mm. is also lottery Mm. government money. And also, you mentioned there, Australia is number one in the world for gambling Mm. and Singapore is number two. Is that right? And this is something we don't like to talk about. In 2016, Australians lost more money per person, an average of $990 US, than any other developed country, with Singapore second, $650. Wow, great stat. Even the Australians are spending sort of a third more than Singaporeans, and we don't Mm. do too badly in the gambling. So Mm. is it an issue that... We're quite happy. Well, not happy. That's the wrong word. But we're, we will allow Willing these to, buildings yeah. to be built with gambling money, but it's not mm. something we particularly want to brag about. And when we stick an ad mm. on the side of the building, it kind of brings home that hypocrisy, doesn't it? Oh, it's, it's extraordinary hypocrit- it's extraordinarily hypocritical in lots of ways. It, it's, it's, so, it's so nuanced, this whole kind of story, too, because, yes, there are problem gamblers and, yes, the, the, the other issue here was illegal gambling was huge in the era that the Opera House was built. Mm. And in fact, the Premier at the time, who was the one that essentially kind of had the run-in with the Dane, um, his name was Robin Askin, uh, he he was a, a really regular patron of the illegal g- casinos in the era. So Australia's vexed relationship with gambling is, is one of these constant themes through our national narrative. And so it's really interesting that the Opera House continues to play a part in that, in that, in that story because, yes, we did build it on the back of the gambling money, but trying to advertise gambling on it now, it's kind of like it's, it's an, an atrocious thing in a lot of people's eyes. But that's the key thing, isn't it? Because the one thing I can say, and you may have heard this in the previous segment, is Singapore has this Casino, Casino Control Act and they have yes, very, yes. very rigid rules and regulations about advertising. And I can say it just would not be possible. It wouldn't even be legal to do what the Sydney well, it, Opera House did. It, it, do you think we, that yes. Australia needs something oh, well, like that? Can I, can, I just, can I just correct you that it wasn't the Sydney Opera House? No, the I know. The Sydney no. Opera House mm. rules prevent it. It was the New South Wales government. And I would say it will be the issue that will kick the Liberal Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, out of office. Wow. Because there is... I, I can honestly say that. I, I've been up close with, uh, with her this last week following the tour of um, of Harry and Meghan and she's at every you know opportunity but she's been getting booed she's been getting really really like criticized for trying to ride on the wave of their popularity it it is such a pro, a, 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 a open wound still mm. that it will be she she won't she won't sort of go away won't lose this very, you know so she's not going to walk away from this well so it's it's really an interesting thing because she was seen as the one that overruled both the protocol at the Opera House and the CEO. So it's just not a bad look. It's not a good look. Wow. You know, she, she's just really not come out well from it. And finally, Helen, on a lighter note, um, with Harry and Meghan being in, in Sydney, is there a bit of uh, royal fever at the moment around some of the oh, iconic uh, landmarks? <laughs> Can you tell us absolutely. about that? Absolutely. We're calling them Ginger Megs. Um, <laughs> they, will be, they will be there today in the Benelong restaurant. 
um, watching on for the actual, there's a big, huge stage set up. And, and what is really lovely, Jason, is there's a whole load of athletes in the Invictus Games walking around the city at the moment. And the spirit, it's a bit like the Sydney Olympics. It's really lovely to see. I've just been out at Homebush where a lot of the games are going to be held and there's people in wheelchairs, there's people on crutches, there's all sorts of, you know, people. And, and it's sort of really interesting because I was just thinking about 45 years ago on this day when I was an eight-year-old on the harbour and thinking how joyous that was. And this is a continuum of that kind of joy. I think, you know, it's it's celebrating something completely different. But there's, there's a lot of really goodwill towards Harry because of the role he's played in helping both disabled and mentally ill uh, veterans. So, that, you know, I, I think the whole Republican movement's gone back, you know, 10 notches largely thanks to these, <laughs> this young couple because everywhere they go, they're greeted like a rock star. You know, it's, it's astounding. So it will be a lovely... You can tell it's going to be a really lovely ceremony this evening. It's takes place this, this evening at 6.30. There will be a whole host of people talking. There will be a whole host of, um, of athletes that will be there to be met by the royal couple. So, again, a different feel to 45 years ago. But still, the, the, the place is still such a centrepiece for any sort of celebration in this city. It's still, like, something that we all know and love, and I think it will go on forever. Well, that's wonderful. And Helen, I must say, there is not a Singaporean who does not have a photograph of themselves standing in front of the Sydney Opera House. I bet they It is a law. It it is a law. So to give your book a nice plug, where could Singaporeans get your book? Yes, Singaporeans can buy it at thebookdepository.com. Very easily picked up and it'll be delivered to you free of charge. Or Booktopia, which is an Australian book um, seller. Uh, But I think Book book Depository is certainly safer because I know lots of overseas buyers have been purchasing it through that or any bookstore at the opera house too or all throughout throughout australia but you can buy it at the, the, the opera house gift store if you're over here the name of the book is the house by helen pitt uh well-known journalist with fairfax media and the sydney morning herald fellow sydney cider like me who uh, grew up admiring the sydney opera house and is now savoring it uh, on the 45th birthday helen thank you so much for being our guest here on weekend mornings thank you helen Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Neil. Bye-bye.